Welcome. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. This is Parsha on Thursday night on Sinai Radio, SinaiRadio.com, and the Sinai Radio app. I am Rami Moshe Teichman. Thank you for joining us. And this week is Parshas Vayechi. Okay. We have gotten to the end of Bereshus. It's almost, you know, a little bit sad because uh, Bereshus is so full of, of lessons and and just insights that we could use to to help build ourselves, make ourselves better people. And now that it's over, you know, we'll have to wait till next year to delve into it. <laughs> or we could just spend the next uh, few weeks, you know, we'll go back to the Parsha's braces and do it over again. But yeah, you know, we're going to start Shemot next week. Okay, so Parsha Vayechi, it is coming to the end of the life of Yaakov Avinu. And he goes and he calls his trusty son Yosef. And he says, Yosef, come here. And he says, please, don't bury me in Egypt. Yomer, Hishevali. Pasuk tells us, in Pasuk, Swear to me that you will not and Yosef swear to him. So, interesting over here, just uh, we see that Yosef is almost told by Yaakov, don't bury me in Egypt and swear to me that you're going to get me out of here. Don't leave me here. Now, what we've been taught when we were little kids and the B'Shah of why Yaakov wanted to get out of Mitzrayim so badly, besides an idea of the beautiful ideal being buried in Eretz Yisrael, buried in, in um, the holy city of Eretz, holy holy land of Eretz Yisrael, it's also he did not want to be left there to be treated like an idol. Now, when the Mitzrayim, when the Egyptians saw Yaakov and his children, when it was like, wow, these people are amazing. And they, they had a tendency to serve other things as gods. You know, the son, the, the Pyro himself claimed he was a god. And when they saw Yaakov and his children and, and the Kedusha they brought off, they also felt that way. You know, that's one of the reasons I heard that they stayed in Goshen. They wanted to be away from them. And Yaakov was, 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 was they're going to serve me as a god. I want to get out of here. I do not want them memorializing me in that fashion, the way they do with their paros and their and their leaders. So what happened? He tells Yosef, swear to me that you're going to get me out of here. You know, uh, when I was a kid, um, we had this little toy. It looks like a, a wooden, fake plastic wooden box. It looked like a wooden box, like a crate, and like a shipping crate. It was a plastic toy. And when you shake it, it would go... Help, help, get me out of here, get me out of here, you know, like a fake toy. And I we used to have fun putting this underneath, you know, my mother's chair. She'd be like, oh, what, what? You know, but <laughs> I actually I saw, crazy enough, I saw on the news, it was posted on Yeshiva World that there was a parrot that was trained to go, help, 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 get me out of here. And neighbors called the cops when they heard the parrot do it. <laughs> it was really funny. But either way, Yaakov is yelling at Yosef, Get me out of Mitzrayim. I do not want to be buried here. Bring me back for Shechanti Abu Vasai. I want to stay with my. I want to, I want to bring me back to Mount Machpelah and bury me there. Now the Ramban explains why swearing is necessary. 
Because you think if Yaakov asks Yosef to do something, he's going to do it without swearing. So what's the reason that he needs to make the shvua to swear? Which is binding Yosef to, 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 to do it no matter what. Is it Yosef going to do it? The Rabban says, he says that if Paro sees that Yosef swore, Paro will take it seriously and Paro says, okay, fine. He won't fight Yosef too much. He'll let, he'll let Yosef bring Yaakov up. Terence cannot. And the next thing, well, that itself is, is, is a whole shear. But we're going we're gonna to skip that. We're going to go to the Ramban's second answer. The Ramban says, V'gam Yosef Yitzar Yitzaraf, Tarech, Yoser Lehishtadel Be'inin Mithnashua. Yosef himself would work harder or put more effort into trying to get Yaakov out of Mitzrayim if he made a shvua, if he didn't make a shvua. Now, it points out the following idea. And think about this for a second. We're not talking about a regular guy. Regular person. You know, when you're kids. You promise, you promise. You know, pick your promise, pick your swear. We're not, we're not talking about regular children. We're talking about Yosef. And who was Yosef? Yosef was the second most powerful man in Egypt. If anyone could get Yaakov out of there, Yosef could. Not only that, Yosef was dedicated to his father more than you could possibly imagine. As we spoke about in last year or two years ago, that it was Yosef's, Yosef's amazing continence. Yaakov, sorry, the picture of Yaakov that kept Yosef away from sin. It was Yaakov who commanded Yosef to go look at the brothers and Yosef knowing that he was in trouble went anyways. And And even when he couldn't find them, he kept looking. Is Yosef cared about his father more than you could possibly imagine. And of course Yosef was going to follow the direction of his father. So Yaakov, what's with all this swearing? Why do you need this extra protection? You want to say it's because of power, well, fine, but that's not the Rabban says. The Rabban says that it was also to push Yosef to do it more. But how, what? Why does Yosef need to be pushed more? And Hanachli points out an amazing, amazing insight into human nature. That yeah, Yosef is powerful. And yeah, Yosef would try. But there is also always the possibility of him being able to push himself more. And after the death of Yaakov, when Yaakov is not there anymore, he's going to try, he's going to fight Paro, Paro's going to say no, he's going to fight more, the delegation is going to fight him. The people are going to riot. No, leave your Yaakov here. Leave Yaakov here. And it's going to be so much pressure on him that he'll try and will try and say, listen, I'm an onus. I know my father told me I have to do it, but I'm an onus. I, 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 There's nothing I could do about it. I, I tried. What do you want me to do already? They're not letting me go. I'm just one man. But if he swore, that's an extra achrayos, an extra responsibility. No, I swore. I, I, I made an official swear with my father and I'm going to do it. I can't go against that. So just my word alone, you're right. So just amazing idea we can think about this. So every, sometimes we always, I think, at least myself, we say we can't. I can't. I've tried over and over and over again. I can't. Uh, whatever the situation is, you know, either learning more Torah, doing more mitzvot, helping others, I just can't. You know, I'll be a little bit, uh, you know, honest. You know, 
for a long time, I'm a, you know, I teach in school, I teach a bunch of classes, and I'm tired, a long day, Baruch Hashem, I have my children, and I a lot of, a lot of different things to take care of every day, and I, and I, you know, before I left to go be a Rebbe, my Rebbe told us that we have to be careful that we always learn ourselves, we always push ourselves to learn, by ourselves, on our own level, to, you know, not to prepare for a shir, just to learn Torah. That's going to help build our own abilities. That's going to help build us closer to Torah. And I'll tell you that, Matt, the truth. The truth is it's been, it's been hard. Time to time I do. With Shabbos, you know, I have some, a few minutes here and there. But I, I don't always have the time. And I can tell you what happened. Tell you, tell you a true story. It, uh, this past week, or last week, was the Shiam Hashas. So a week, um, January 1st, so a week, a few days ago. It was January 1st. And they had the same Hashas. And I didn't go for whatever, I couldn't go for whatever reason. But I was thinking to myself, hey, all these amazing people, they sat for seven years and they pushed themselves to learn Shas. So of course, Misty Sahara shows up and goes, oh, but you can't do it. You can't do Shas. You don't have enough time. And by the way, who are you? You really want to finish Shas? Do you even understand what the words mean? You can only finish a page a day. Come on, you, you can't, you don't have time for that. And you know what? He won me over. I convinced myself that there's absolutely no way I could do shots. But you know what? I, I thought, I can't. I have, a, I have a, a problem when I learn Torah. That Not a problem, but it's something, I can't do it just superficially. Just learning, you know, I can't spend three hours on it. So a block of Mars, a lot of Torah. And I can't do it in half an hour or 45 minutes. I just can't. I really can't. Yeah, I need, I need more time. So, okay. So what, what, um, but I thought to myself over Shabbos, you know, my father's passed away uh, about a month, a month and a half ago. Would it be such an amazing year for his neshama, for his soul, if I were to push myself to learn extra? And you know what I tried? I started, I started this week. I started, you know, it's only been a, f- a few days, but I started every single day going at a certain time at night and learning on my own to finish Misakta for my father's yard site. A big one I picked, Baba Kama, hopefully we'll do it. But, but I told myself I can't. And you know what? I might not, you know, I might not last the whole year, but I'm hoping I will. But you tell yourself you can't, but then you think about it and you really find the time that you can. I can't do this mitzvah. It's not for me. I can't do it. But if you really, if you really push yourself harder, you could find push. You could push yourself. It's hard. It's you should always try to say I can. Now, obviously, obviously, in the realm of you have to use your head, not force yourself to do things that are are, are going to fall apart right away. But little by little, little improvements. And if we say I can't, then we're never going to improve. And I think that the lesson from this is, you know, Yosef. He could have gotten himself in a situation where he really wouldn't be. Bichayev, to follow his word. He wouldn't really be responsible. He, he fought, the, the diplomats are telling him, Yosef, if you go with your father, you're going to be arrested, you're going to be demoted, it's not good, you cannot go, you can't leave Mitzrayim. But since he swore, he would push as hard as he can. It's his amazing insight. Okay, let's go a little bit on. We see that Yosef now is called back to Yaakov after he made the Shavuah. Yaakov is going to bless his sons. And Yaakov says... A very interesting thing to Yosef. It's almost as completely not part of, in the middle of nowhere. Right? 
he talks about Ephraim. I'm not sure we're on the Memchas, Perik Memchas, but it's like, hey, he says, oh, you have two sons here. Um, they're like they're like sons to me, like Reuben and Shimon, beautiful. But then he, in the middle of nowhere, he says, Va'ani and I, bibo'i bipadan meisa alai Rachel. When I came by Padam, Rachel died. And I buried her there. I buried her on the side of the road. And by Beis Lechem. And then all of a sudden, the Torah goes on to an up. And then, he, then Yaakov saw, then Yosef and asked who they were. What, what second, where, this Pasuk, where is it coming from? Yaakov goes and tells Yosef, by the way, I have a history lesson. You know, when your mother passed away, I was by Beis Lechem, and I buried her there. What what, what in the world? Yosef knows this. Why is Yaakov telling this to Yosef? Rashi says the most fascinating thing. Rashi says, I am asking you to push yourself. I just made you swore to get me out of Mitzrayim, to bury me in the Marach Mapela with my, with my family. But I didn't do that for your mother. She died next to Beis Lechem. And we know the most amazing thing, that the reason why Rachel is buried there is because Yaakov was told the Nevuah that there's going to be time after the first Beis Amigdash when Nevuzradon chased the Jews out of Eretz Yisrael. They would pass by on the road in Beis Lechem. They'd be mispalled by Keva Rachel. For Rachmanus and Shemayim, and we know Rachel Mevakal, but now the Navi tells us Rachel came and she cried for her children. Because listen. And you know, Arayomazah, Keva Rachel, and Beit Lechem is a place that people go and people pray to this day. If you go there to Israel, you don't go to this day, you don't go to Keva Rachel, you missed out. Opportunity to daven Hakadosh Baruch Hu by the kever of such a sadikas, who did such amazing things. However, this Rashi is seems at least to me a little bit confusing. Okay, so I can't. Yo, Yaakov can't tell Yosef. Yo, Yosef, you have to go bury me in Eretz in Eretz Yisrael. But I didn't do the same for your mother. Why in the world is Yosef saying? Two, two questions. Two questions. Number one, why does Yaakov feel he needs to say this now? And number two, why is he saying this now, not earlier, when he made him swear? And I think the answer is as follows. And Sif also says something similar to this. Very similar to what we said before. Yaakov is about to ask, just ask Yosef to do a crazy thing. A very hard thing for Yosef. We, we just saw before that you need to swear to make sure he does it. It's a very difficult job to convince Pyro to let Yaakov go. And yet, Yaakov is afraid that Yosef harbors some resentment. That his mother wasn't buried in Ma'aras Machpelah also. His mother was not showed the same kavod. Think about it for a second. Take a second to, to think about it. Again, who are we talking about? Yosef, he loves his father. He trusts his father. He knows that if his father could bring Rachel, there was a good reason why he left her there. Then why did Yaakov think that Yosef might have some resentment? 
and take a second and realize that even Yosef, who's a tremendous tzaddik, is still a human being. And even when we are okay with it, even if we, we trust the person, there's something always nagging. And the Sifse Chavim said, why did Yosef, Yaakov wait till now, when he's about to die? Why didn't he tell this to Yosef earlier? So he says he didn't want to say sad things, the sad history of the Jews. He didn't want to tell Yosef, yeah, the Pesach is going to be built and it's going to be destroyed. He waited to say these bad news until the day he died. Okay. So why is he saying it at all? And the answer is an amazing idea because Yosef would always maybe be in the back of his head. My father's asked me to do this. I'm going to do it. I swore to him and I'm going to make sure it happens. My mother, he didn't do it. So Yaakov went and told him, well, there was for a reason. It was for the future of Klai Yisrael. When they left the, few, the first place, I mean, they were destroyed and they davened by the Kever of Rachel. And that's why he told him now. It's amazing insight into how sensitive we have to be to other people. You know, it's, <laughs> I was talking to my class today, speaking about the, the Aserah that they brought. Aserah that they brought. I was introducing to them the idea of Lashon Hara, of speaking badly about somebody. And I said, you know why an Aserat Adibrot, Ten Commandments. There's five on one side that are, are for Hashem, and five on the other side that are for Ben Adam Five that we do that strengthen our relationship with God, and five that we do to strengthen our relationship with our fellow friend. Why are they equal five and five? Shouldn't our relationship with Hashem be more important? But that's not what HaKadosh Baruch wants. He didn't made, make man to sit in an island all day. He made man and made the mitzvot specifically that we interact with people. He wants us to be with people, but he also wants us to be sensitive to people. He wants us to mimic the way he deals with us. He wants us to act like him, become closer to him through our, our relationship with people. And one thing we must be is sensitive to other people. We must. No, it's not just a, a thing, oh, he's sensitive, oh, he can handle it. No, no. <laughs> so, Yosef couldn't handle it? Yosef couldn't handle sense. Oh, he's being too sensitive. Yosef couldn't handle hearing from his father? Bury me in Eretz He Oh, but he didn't bury my mother. Yosef, come on. Yosef loves his father. Of course he can handle it. But there would be something there. And it wouldn't be sensitive for Yaakov not to tell him at this point in his life. Therefore, Yaakov told him that there's a reason why I didn't do it. If Yaakov needs to be sensitive for Yosef, then we need to be sensitive to our fellow friend. We need to. We must. And I think this ties in what we said before. There are times when we say we can't. I can't. It's too much. But when it comes to being sensitive to our friends, we can never say, Never is a never. You need to, you go through the, you see tzaddikim and righteous people are always known for the sensitivity and for the caring for other people. There wasn't an attitude, hey, you know, I'm doing the right thing and everyone else is, you know, I don't care. No, the attitude was doing the right thing includes bringing up someone else, helping someone else, being there for someone else. The Torah was not created for us to live in an island. Okay, 
So I want to end off with one last thing. Interesting on a different note. Um, at the end, not at the end, but towards the end of the parsha, the pasuk tells us that Yaakov, he comes to Vishmu bnei Yaakov, Vishmu es Yisrael avichem, that the bnei Yaakov came on Yaakov's deathbed to hear what Yaakov had to say. You know, the pasuk before tells us that Yaakov wanted to reveal when Mashiach was going to come. And the end of the Geula was going to come, but he, he was taking away the Rosh Hashanah, so he couldn't tell his children that. So the Rambans, the... One second. The Rabbeinu B'chai says a beautiful thing. The Rabbeinu B'chai tells us that when Yaakov went and gave the bracha, gave the blessing to his children, it was a... He brings down a Medrash in Tachuma, that when Yaakov gave the bracha, he started his bracha from the place that Yitzchak ended off. He continued Yitzchak's bracha that Yitzchak gave to him. And then when it's the message keeps going on, and when Moshe in the, in Devarim when he says Vizot Habracha, Moshe blessed the Jews on when he was about to die. He continued the bracha that Yaakov gave. And then not only that, when David HaMelech started Tehillim, the Tefillahs of Tehillim, of Psalms that we say even every single day in Tefillah, we use David's Tehillim. When David wrote to Tehillim, he started off with Ashrei Hayish, with a bracha, a blessing, where Moshe left off. Now, I thought that was fascinating. I thought this medrash was, was unbelievably fascinating. Because Yaakov didn't just give his own bracha. Moshe didn't just give his own bracha. David didn't just give his own bracha. They continued the bracha from the generation before them. It's amazing that we are not just isolated on our own generation. We are not just who we are now. We are a continuation as being Hashem's people of the generation before us. We are a continuation of their bracha. We are a continuation of their legacy. And I, when I saw this written in Bukhai, the only thing I could think to myself was, the only question is, how are we going to continue this legacy? Beautiful. Is this legacy going to be a legacy like Moshe, David, Yaakov? Or is it going to be a different type of legacy? But it's up to us. We have a tremendous opportunity to continue the bracha, the, the blessing over from our generation to the next generation. Now, I, um, I was speaking to teenagers once, once a group of teenagers. And we're talking about why it's important for them to, you know, keep the mitzvot, to learn Torah. And at one point in the conversation, I turned to them and I said, listen, the Torah was given many, many, many years ago. And the only reason you have it in its unadulterated form is because someone before you learned it, someone before you preserved it, 
and someone before you gave it over to you. And the person before him, for him, person before him, person before him, and, and throughout the generations, each generation gave it over. The question you have to ask yourself, yeah, Torah is hard. Mitzvahs, you know, we spoke about this many times, it's, it's, they're not easy. However, you're not doing it just for yourself. You're doing it for the next generation. If it's not your children, then it's the generation around you. You're keeping the Torah for a legacy for not just our generation, but continue with the light going for the next one. So what a beautiful way to end, Parshas Vayichi. What a beautiful end to say for Bereshit. It's not over. It continues on to Shemot, to the next generation. Not just give my own bracha, but I'm continuing the bracha, the blessings of the people before me. And uh, we have tremendous opportunity to do that every day. With that, may we soon see, soon see, Meher V'yameinu speedily in our days, the Google Shalema, the third base of English. Okay, with that, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for joining with us. This has been Parsha on Thursday nights with Rabbi Moshe Teichman on Sinai Radio, SinaiRadio.com, and the Sinai Radio app. And until next week, have a wonderful Shabbos, and Me'at Hashem, we will see you next week, again, Thursday nights, on Sinai Radio, SinaiRadio.com.